Shut up and sit down. <laughs> I say, okay, I'm going to start it. And the first thing you do is like cough in the mic. It, it wasn't even a wiki. No, I was like, a <laughs> you couldn't have done that before I started. I was waiting. I was saving it. Yeah, I know. Anything to just stab me, right? That's right. Stabby McStabberson. We are in West Stabbington. Well, <laughs> welcome to the new Utah podcast. Yay! We are at uh, episode 18. The You're an adult one now. Eight. <laughs> we can now smoke cigarettes, but not buy them in the state of Utah. <laughs> and vote. Register to vote. Yeah, uh, you so can do that by text now. Did you know that? Did you see that? No, Mr. that's dot com. Way to just stop everyone in their well, tracks, Josh. You guys are just supposed to keep going, and it's supposed to be some sort of subliminal messaging. Well, you need to work on it, because it's not very good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had some fun this weekend. <laughs> Jeremy uh, with us. He's uh, back from vacation. Back from vacation. Had a wonderful time. Fingers doing better. God bless your finger. Thank you. Have you used hedge clippers in like the last month? I'm hedge clipper free for 31 days now. So have you made your children use them? No. That's what I would recommend. <laughs> I like PTSD for hedge clippers. Got the shakes. Yeah. <laughs> you even mentioned hedge clippers, and there's going to be a little dribble of poo coming down the leg. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> okay. Disgusting. I'm Jeremy, and moving right along. <laughs> uh, we also have Jess. Uh, Jess brought us uh, something from our guest today, some uh, delicious hard cider. Hi, I'm Jessica. Mistress of the night. A little bit of Jessica, here I am. That's my new thing. <laughs> nice. As you say, Mistress of the Night, all I can think of is Rocky Horror Picture Show, and it's that I'm time okay of year. That. It's that time of year. It yes, is. it is. Actually, if you're Josh Butterfield, every time of year is Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's I watch good. it at least three times a year. And thanks to ministry. Three. Thanks to ministry, every day is Halloween. Halloween, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Gotta have they those references. They started like Depeche Mode a little bit. A little bit. And that other voice that you hear is uh, Josh Butterfield, uh, headphone thief extraordinaire. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> he still swears, even though three people saw him take the headphones in his house. He never took them. Dude, there's some sort of Houdini bullshit at work here. Yeah, it's called Four Pugs and Did a you Careless Honor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, you know, one of these days, Josh, you're going to find some little area in your house where all the shit you lost, the dogs like take it and they're like, get in there, get in there, get in there. Don't let them see it. Don't let them see it. <laughs> it's going to be like That's car keys, true. wallets, headsets. I will tell you this, though. Uh, I helped Josh this weekend lay up way, way too much sod. Those dogs have not seen grass and I don't know how long they loved it. Yeah, they loved to eat it, they loved to roll in it, they were like, every one of them had to poop three or four times, like, oh my gosh, it's like having toilet paper. I thought paper. you were supposed to wait two weeks before letting anyone on it. Uh, that's kind of hard. Maybe they won't poop in your house anymore. They actually very <laughs> seldom poop in the house. Yeah, that, that was the uh, 
That was rebellion. Yeah, I think there's some rebellion. But Although maybe, winter comes and they won't go outside in the snow. Maybe maybe your back porch won't just be like a giant shit pile anymore. You know, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> this is Josh Butterfield. Hello. And I'm your host, Chris. Uh, back from my trip at Whore Island. <laughs> Where he refilled the F-bombers. <laughs> so that the whole squadron's ready to fly again. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I brought back souvenirs. Oh, I bet you did for the whole podcast. <laughs> you can <listener>. keep mine. <laughs> uh, lots of interesting shit happened the last couple of weeks uh, here in Utah, especially in this last week. Holy cow! So we'll talk about a lot of that later. But uh, what's going on this week, Jess? We have a lot of fun events happening this week. Uh, first of all, Moab Pride started on the 25th of September, and it ends on Saturday, October 1st. If you're looking to get out of town and party with a lot of really fun people, the whole community just gets into it. A lot of local people up here in Salt Lake go down for it. and Our, our, our guest from a couple weeks ago will be there, right? Farrell Wild. Uh, I believe Farrell will be there. Indie Skies will be there. Many people we haven't had on yet will Would be there. Would you say a plethora of people yes, will be a there. a plethora of so people. I have a uh, one of my favorite clients is actually down in Moab. She runs a bakery and sandwich shop, and uh, this is one of the biggest times of year for them down there. I mean, they for sure. they have a huge, huge group of people, like eight thousand plus, that go down there every yeah. year. Well, and it's close enough that people from Colorado and Arizona, and Nevada can go. New Mexico. Do they have a gay pumpkin patch event <laughs> where they pick? Pumpkins? I can ask. I doubt it. Moab. I would join that event. That would be cool. Let, let me be clear. Moab's not exactly prime yeah, I don't farm think real estate. Pumpkins down there, do they? Unless they're in shipping. southern Utah desert. You know, yeah. just more examples Red of people not desert. getting with the gay program. Pumpkins? <laughs> what, what do pumpkins have to do with gay people, Josh? Dude, if you don't understand, you're part of the problem. It's Whoa. a Jack O'Lantern. <laughs> Jack <laughs> O'Lantern. Is it not is Jack a, Your Lantern? Yeah. Oh, very <laughs> the mistress brought her A game. And where's your game? Did you leave it at home with your dog shit? Yes. The I, pugs. The pugs have stashed it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> all right, on. all right, all right. So there are two more weekends left of Oktoberfest up at Snowbird. And do they actually you. have beer these last two weekends? Why wouldn't they? Well, remember that whole alcohol thing and they had oh. restrictions. And right, ah, yes. Yes, I have seen photos of beer in hand. However, there is snow in the mountain, about 10 inches. Yeah, that just means you got to drink more to stay warm. It's fucking yes. cold up there. And it here's is. a tip. If you want to get to the hard alcohol, just go into the restaurant or the bar at the resort. Right. Yeah. Instead of standing go. in the cold with the beer vendors, just go get hard you liquor. You can go into the tent and eat one of the waffles that have bacon and maple on it. Und the sausage! And the sausage. Yeah. Are they, are they German because they're Belgian waffles? Yes. Liege. Liege waffles. Or if you want really good German food, go to the Bohemian. Yes. Local Sausages. Utah. They had their sausage eating contest. They did. Yeah. How'd you uh, how'd you fare in that, Jeremy? <laughs> I was in Disneyland. <laughs> I kept hearing there was a sausage fest, so I showed up and <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's thing. get back to, oh, to, never, never to, mind. to events. Uh Corn Bellies, which is the <clears throat> corn maze down at Thanksgiving Point, <laughs> celebrating twenty years. It officially opens September thirtieth, which is Friday. 
Uh, it's not open on Sundays. And Because so it's you know, Utah County. Yes, because it is Utah County. It is one of the top three mazes to explore in the U.S. In the world. Uh, pretty Do sure they have other the mazes in the world? In Well, yeah, China's notorious for their corn belly mazes. <laughs> rice mazes, maybe. <laughs> rice mazes. You can find uh, a little That's baby. That's racist. Yeah. The, the, rise, the rice mazes you have to do on your belly, that's why they're yeah. belly and Occasionally, occasionally you run across like a discarded fetus. You know, <laughs> usually it's a female. And the fuck? Barbed wire. Fanticide, you know. Man, you're bringing out my <laughs> fun fact. Whore island mouth here. Fun Speaking fact: about dead I've babies. never, I've never been through a corn maze, and I Me fucking neither. love Halloween, and I love haunted houses, and I've never managed to go through a corn Why? maze. Why are you scared? Of uh, getting lost? I kind of am. No, I'm not really scared. Um, I uh, love the corn mazes. This is Halloween. 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 You, Halloween. You should grow corn at your house. Do you have a little mini corn maze? <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy is that for the dog? And the I, I do have the aisles all in between like, the rows. Like I guess that four or five of them for, like. for the chickens. It's a corn maze, I guess. <laughs> but then they're walking through their own shit. Oh, they don't care. <laughs> the chickens are terrified of of Baron Ebo, so it's kind of a, a frightening not in mass. Not in mass, they're not. Uh, I don't think they would be. <laughs> Your chickens eat dog shit. No, but it's funny the dog eats chicken shit. Well, of course he does. They taste like nuggets. Those chickens? are the true chicken nuggets. The chickens or the, the shit piles? Both, I guess. <laughs> the dog loves it. So, <laughs> so I have another event for you guys. This is the Utah Paranormal Fest, and that is on Saturday. It is at the Gail Miller com- uh, Conference Center, which I've never even heard of before. Uh, me neither, but it's, there's conference centers everywhere. Yeah. So. But I love Gay Miller. Gail Miller. Miller. <laughs> That's what... That's what I meant. We're, the gay fi- <laughs> We're done with gay pride right now. We've moved on. Dude, I'm never done with gay pride. I support our brothers and sisters, okay? <laughs> wow. So... Uh, <laughs> Enough said. Yes. The festival goes all day on Saturday, $15 at the door, and it's just kind of like a normal... They have panels and vendors, but they're also doing a night investigation at the Off-Broadway Theater, but I don't believe in paid investigations, so... There's that. You, know, you can add stuff to them. And have you been in that theater though, the Off Broadway? Oh, many times. That's all we did in high school. It's a cool little theater. It's amazing and very active. <laughs> well, with us today we have uh, Jennifer Carlton, the owner operator of Mountain West Cider. How are you today, Jennifer? I'm great. Great. Thanks, guys. How are you? We are fantabulous. We are feeling really good, and we have you to thank for that. Thank you. <laughs> Clearly, you've opened up some of our hard cider. Three, to be exact. I think Josh has allergies to alcohol, honestly. He I, starts to get the the hay fever, he calls it, whenever he drinks. <laughs> I think it actually kind of makes, it ages me just a little bit. It makes me sound more manly. Because, what if it's the hops you're allergic to? Oh, that could be. I, I Maybe. Maybe. If so, I would just rather die. <laughs> so, uh, Jennifer, uh, with, with Mountain West, we're kind of alluding to it. Uh, we have tried uh, a few of your different ciders. Um, they're fantastic, but uh, how did you guys come into business? How did Mountain West Cider start, around, start up? Uh, a couple things came into play. Uh, I do not drink beer. Uh, don't get me wrong. I if you, if you put it in front of me, I'll drink it, but it is not my <laughs> beverage of choice. 
Um, so I found that, you know, every time I'd go out with my husband, Jeff, uh, he would be enjoying a beer and I was getting very happy very quickly on cocktails and wine, um, which isn't a bad thing, but it makes for a short night. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> or a long, awesome night as I like to or a long, awesome night that I don't remember. Um, but yeah, so we, we were traveling abroad and, um, started, uh, trying some ciders and I found that, you know, it didn't give me that kind of icky feeling that beer, uh, gave me um you know I, I didn't have the bloating and everything and so I, I fell in love with cider and I I came back to Utah and found that well there aren't any real good ciders here available in the state so I was traveling around uh for my full-time job and picking up ciders where I could and bringing them back to Utah to enjoy and um so it started really with just a a, a need for an another alcoholic beverage, uh, personally for me. And, uh, Jeff, on the other hand, saw it more as a business opportunity. He read a interesting article about cider and how it is the fastest growing segment of the alcoholic beverage industry. And, um, just kind of approached me one day and said, you know, we've always wanted to do something in on our own, whether that was a restaurant or something in the hospitality business. What do you think of opening a cider? cidery and uh this was two years ago and from there we uh we forged forward and here we are today i mean there's a lot that went into that but uh yeah that's that's kind of the crux of why we why we started the cidery so two quick questions for you jennifer um first of all wow okay but second of all that wasn't a question so third of all here's the question (laughs) so would you say do do you and jeff both work full-time in another business I do. Um, Jeff did until recently. Jeff uh, decided to retire and put all of his effort and time toward the cidery. But yes, I work full time in another industry, uh, financial services industry, and that takes up the majority of my day. And then my nights are typically focused on the cidery. So you were kind of doing this on the cidery. <laughs> oh, no. Huh? Uh, anyone? You feel Good it? one. You know, it takes like four hours. Have you heard that before? Left. I'm sure you've heard that before. A million times. Oh, boo. <laughs> so, all right, all right. No, but seriously, here, so here's the real question. That, this is number two, and neither have been quick, by the way, This Josh. This is number two, and this is a super quick question. So I've drank a lot of wine, a lot of beer, a lot of whiskey, and I don't know how to make any of the above. I mean, I know the general principles, but making a good quality beer or cider or wine is is beyond me. How did you go from conceptualizing this idea to make cider and to develop it into a business to actually making the delicious beverages that we just popped open and threw down my face? <laughs> well, we knew, Jeff and I knew, we weren't, didn't have the time to actually produce the cider. While Jeff did take some um, uh, certifications in cider making, believe it or not, that does exist, um, we knew that our time was better spent um, on the business side of, of the cidery. So we actually, um, after an exhaustive national search, uh, found an amazing cider maker with over 25 years of 
of a winemaking experience. Um, and we recruited him and brought him from the Pacific Northwest here to Salt Lake. And he is actually our head cider maker. He's charged with uh, crafting those delicious uh, drinks that you have in front of you. And he's done an amazing job. So How you many? weren't making it in your bathtub first. You just went right for the pro. <laughs> Absolutely. We weren't going to waste any time with uh, those experiments. We just went directly to the to the experienced pro. <laughs> so you've never actually stepped on apples in your bare feet? <laughs> I don't think that's actually part of cider making, Josh. Well, I can tell you, I enjoy these drinks just a little bit less, knowing that these were not hand or foot stomped. <laughs> I, I believe you're thinking about wine and grapes. You make it your way, I'll make it my I'll way. I'll tell you what, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to give you a bucket of apples for you to try and stomp on. <laughs> Let's see how that works out for or you. Or maybe Jen would be awesome enough that you can go see her beautiful vat at the Mountain West Cider <gasps> building, and we you can actually see, see the how they We do made. want to see the vat, and I will even keep my shoes on. Jennifer, I Jennifer, tell us about the vat. <laughs> well, so I'll step back and just say that it is the process of making cider is similar to wine, but to to your earlier point, no, you can't step on it with your feet and, and produce the the juice. But what we do do is we have partnered with um, an orchard in southern Utah. It's an eighth generation family owned orchard who they actually hand pick and press using machinery our apples and they actually store the juice for us throughout the season and throughout the year. What essentially happens is we'll order our, our juice blend from them, that fresh picked uh, apple juice, bring it up to our vats, if you will, um, where we inoculate it with some yeast, which sounds really technical and um, it's it's. That's my most simplest explanation of it, but uh, we we throw yeast in it, which obviously creates the alcohol, eats away the sugars, and, and um, creates the alcohol in our ciders. Um, then we we actually um, fine it. We'll actually take out all the kind of heavy sediment that settles to the bottom, filter that cider so that you get that clean, crisp look. And then finally, it'll uh, we put it into our bright tanks, um, which are basically adding that CO2 uh, carbon that makes the bubbles when you open it, and it makes that awesome little noise like wine and and uh, and champagne. So that's kind of like the dumbed down version of the production of cider. Um, our cider maker, if he was here, he would probably get in into all the nitty gritty um but for for the rest of the world that's that's the simpler form the whole process takes about um two to two to three weeks um so with that we can usually get about um you know 240 cases of lovely cider nice so how many how many different varieties of of cider do you make and are they all hard ciders or do you make some that are non-hard no, we don't make any. We focused on, uh, you know, being a true cidery, bringing alcoholic beverage to the to the uh, Utah community. Um, so they're all hard ciders. We started with Ruby. Uh, Ruby is our flagship cider. Um, this is a traditional English style cider. It's it's dry. It's a big big mouth feel. You'll I know you've got it in front of you. You can probably taste how, you know. Uh, heavier it is than some of our other varieties. 
And what I mean by uh, true English style is it comes in as 6.8 ABV. So it does pack a bit of a punch. Um, but that is your traditional English style. Um, then we introduced Seven Mile. Seven Mile Hard Cider was introduced in March. Um, that's our session cider. What I mean by that is it's a lower alcohol content. You're, you've probably tasted it. It's much lighter, crisper, um, very refreshing. More green apple note comes through oh, on yeah. that. Oh, definitely. Uh, was it named after M&M in the, the seventh? That's, that's eight mile. <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, but they are, all of our ciders are named after canyons here in the state of Utah. Ah, um, Cottonwood, which is your other one, right? Yep, and Cottonwood is our dry hop cider. That's been our most exciting project. Um, that we're taking centennial hops from uh, the Mountain West region and essentially adding, well, so you, you may not know, but hops is commonly found in, in beers. Um, and... <laughs> So what we do is we've added um, the hops to our fermentation in the final stages so that it's a really nice, delicate balance of that kind of bittery hop, bitterness of the hop um, and some citrus notes come through on that. But that's been our um, that's our number two seller. It's it was just released uh, two months ago and it's already uh, off to a to a really great start. So we're really happy with that as yeah. well. Yeah, I, I would say the Cottonwood. I mean, we, we we've tried all three of them, and, and you're right. The Seven Mile is a very light, um, tart, green appley flavor. But that that Cottonwood uh, almost has hints. You can definitely taste the hops, and if if you're a pale ale or an IPA fan, the the uh, Cottonwood would really really sing to you. It's very good. But the I ruby, like... the ruby is divine. It's a it, it's reminiscent of a good champagne. And when Jeremy and I uh, poured a little bit for ourselves, we looked across the table lovingly at each other and said, <laughs> this would be so damn good in a mimosa. And then we just fireballed it and, and threw it down the gullet and uh, we're much happier for it. But um, I think that's my favorite. Jen, is Ruby the one that you guys did the limited edition label for Pride this year? That is correct. Yeah. Earlier this year, um, as a way to support the LGBTQ community, we launched a limited edition label. It was the Ruby's Gay label. Um, and portion of those proceeds from the sale of that bottle, uh, went back to the Utah Pride Center. So that was a really fun, um, fun campaign we did that we'll, we'll definitely, uh, revisit again next year. The The one thing I liked about all three, is they're not they're not sweet, and what I mean is typically when you have a hard cider, it's sweet. It tastes like apple, apple juice. Cider. It like just tastes sweet, like sweet. apple juice. These yeah. were very pleasantly mild, and I mean they had a little bit of sweetness to them, but they weren't like knock your socks off apple cider kind of sweet. So I really liked that. I thought that was really good. Well, thank you. That is a compliment. I will say that um, typically what most folks are used to are the kind of um, hopped up, uh, you know, sugar rich yeah. ciders. And that's typically from national brands that are trying to appeal to the American sweet tooth. <laughs> um, but a true craft cider is is dry and we ferment ours to dry, meaning we, we basically ferment all the sugars out and don't add any additional sugars or 
artificial um, ingredients. And uh, yeah, so so that's that's actually a, a great compliment to hear you say that. And um, that definitely differentiates us from from the mass produced national brands that are out there. You mean like the soda pop brands? You said that you did a lot of traveling and tasting of ciders before choosing what you were going to do. What cider were you drawn from? What area? Well, you know, I found the mo- ciders that I liked the most when we were in Ireland. Um, you know, they had some Balmers and some of those national brands, but it was actually the smaller communities that we were traveling through where they'd have like the city would just have or the tavern, I should say, in in a random city would just have their own cider on draft. That's where you really found like the best, best kind, the best type um, and, and that dry, that dry uh dry taste. So I would say Ireland was probably where I tasted the most and fell in love with it. So we were also debating, are these better cold? Are these better at room temperature? What would you suggest? The three you have in front of you, I I feel are best served cold. Um, I would never put it over ice, but some people (laughs) do that. Um, I personally don't like to water down my alcohol. But um, (laughs) we actually are coming to market um, in the next month with what we're calling still water. It's a bourbon barrel aged cider. And that is, um, in addition to it being still meaning there's no co2 in it so there's it's flat it's also best served room temperature it's um it's just amazing flavor of that it's a cider with like a bourbon back with some nice hints of oak and vanilla and it's it's just a lovely taste and uh, that i would recommend we you drink uh, i'll get some for these guys (laughs) Jen, jen will you will you say the name again Still water. No, no, the the bourbon barrel age. Say that same part again. <laughs> say it again. Should, I, should I say it slower? Would you please, God, yes. <laughs> Josh, she's married. Our bourbon barrel age cider. We have yes. a lot of whiskey drinkers in the room. So, can you talk about the labyrinth, or is that still a secret? It's not a secret. Um, unfortunately, though, it's not going to come out this year again. Um, okay. So one of the one of the uh, struggles or challenges we have in the alcoholic beverage industry is we have to go through federal um, approval of, of products based on label and ingredients. And um, Stillwater actually took much longer than than we had anticipated. Um, so what we're going to do is we're actually going to launch Stillwater this fall and then hold off on Labyrinth until next year. But Labyrinth is a mold cider. So if you're familiar with those traditional mold spices, the uh, cinnamons. Oh, yeah, and the more um, English-based, right? Yes, yes. That is an exciting project for us, um, but that too would be another cider that we would serve um, warmed in that case, um, and that too goes very well with like a whiskey or a bourbon um, or even a rum as an accompaniment. But that'll that that's it's no secret. We've been working on it. We <laughs> just uh, we've been delayed by the federal federal laws and government so is, is there anything we'll we it, can uh, do to help in order and hopefully release it uh before the fall next year jen is there anything we can do to help is there any action <laughs> we can take to accelerate this process josh wants it josh wants it now i i want it in my face right yes. now well, I will say um, we do host, we call them insider tastings. Um, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, see that? Um, so we do, we do, 
We do those randomly throughout the month, and we've actually talked about maybe bringing out Labyrinth, our version of Labyrinth, um, sometime in November and December. Um, it would just be available for tastings and samplings. We we wouldn't be able to sell it to the public, but um, that is our that's our intent. So we'd I would be just, willing to try it for you, though, just oh, to make sure. Just to make sure. Of course. You can come in and have a special tasting. I think we should come in and you can talk about the still bourbon and then we can do a tasting. And, and we'd we'll love do to another do another podcast. Broad- well, <laughs> as live as it gets in the podcast world, but from your distillery, that would be amazing. That w- we, I would welcome that. I, that would be fun. So, Jennifer, you, you guys have an event coming up, don't you? We do. So keeping with the harvest tradition, we are having hosting an Oktoberfest. The 4th West Oktoberfest, September 30th, October 1st and 2nd. So it's a three-day festival that's taking place right on our, our grounds here at 425 North, 400 West. We've partnered with some amazing uh, food vendors, but more importantly, we've partnered with Red Rock Brewery as well as the Utah Pride Center. And um, what we'll be, we'll be serving up beer and cider and several food trucks will be joining us. You um, have poutine. And you have Bumblebee. That is all anybody needs to know. Are you serious? Yes, Bumblebee is going to be there. Oh, man, I love this. <laughs> and Poutine Your I Mouth. Poutine, poutine you Your need. Mouth. Bumblebee the Autobot? No. no. <laughs> Bumblebee the Amazing Korean Barbecue. Yes. Oh, Fusion why didn't joint? you say the Amazing Korean Barbecue Bumblebee? Because you've never had it. Okay. <laughs> In addition, we'll have uh, Shiloh's Mobile Cafe, and they'll be uh, whipping up a German-style brat. So we're really nice. excited about that. And we'll also have a funnel cake and dessert truck for the kids. So that is one thing I do want to point out. It is uh, it is open to all ages, um, and we will have a lot of games for for kids and adults alike. This sounds like such a great event. Thanks for putting it on. Utah needs well, you. You're my hero. You're my I beverage mean, hero. <laughs> <laughs> She's speechless, Josh. You. I missed it. I'm sorry. You broke up on me. <laughs> oh, I just said that you were my Utah hero. My my. Uh, I don't know what I said. Pretend something funny flew out of my mouth. That'd be great. <laughs> well, I'll uh, I'll add to uh, just the little promo on the Oktoberfest. We'll have uh, several bands lined up throughout the weekend. Um, Candy's River House will be here. Hectic Hobo, Talia Keys, Michelle Moonshine, Tony Holiday. So we've got a full full lineup. We've also got. Uh, you know, DJ Godina mixing up some music. So we're really excited uh, for the event and already our, our pre-sales through the website have been uh, pretty significant. So we're, we're looking forward to a three day fun festival with food, drinks and uh, good times. And how much does that cost? So it's seven dollars uh, admission, general admission, and that gets you the full day access. Uh, does include a limited edition mug while supplies last, um, <laughs> and then obviously drinks, beer, and cider would be additional, and the food trucks would be additional. But seven dollars to get in, you've got access to all the games, the fun uh, giveaways that we'll be doing, and of course the music lineup. And giant Jenga. Did I read that correctly? <laughs> You read that correctly. Awesome. Uh, we're doing also bull rides, mechanical bull rides. I want to see Josh and, uh, do the mechanical bull ride. Yeah, it's gonna <laughs> be a it's gonna be a shit show. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best description I've heard all day of Josh. Born <laughs> <Bull> as well. <laughs> we do have one question that we ask all of our guests, Jennifer. Uh, what is the one thing that you would tell someone visiting Utah that they must do before leaving? 
Well, they must stop at the cidery and try a tasting of all of our ciders. <laughs> well played. Good answer. Well played. Um, In addition, you know, we've got a great, I mean, I will say I've, I've lived here in Salt Lake for just over seven years, um, came originally from the East Coast, and man, to see the, the scene here, not just the alcoholic beverages scene, having all the breweries and distilleries that we have now, but the restaurant scene is like amazing, and you know, I, I just love the downtown. We've really created quite an awesome community, and it just continues to grow, and we love being a part of it. Um, so anybody coming to Utah, I would tell them just to spend a day and, and take in the sights and definitely try the food and the beverages. So, okay, uh, against common wish, I'm going to go ahead and ask the last question. My last question is, is there a special name for a ciderist? Or you know your cider er that you brought in from the northwest? Is there an official title? Do they have like a a, a, a brewmaster, brewmaster, or, or a cidermeister, c- cidermeister? <laughs> I wish it was that creative. Unfortunately, it's just a cider maker. <laughs> Sometimes head cider maker if you have multiples, but no, it's nothing. It's just cider maker. You know what we're gonna do for you because we consider you. A Utah ally. We're going to come up with a better name for the head ciderer, <laughs> and we're going to present that to you. Good. So, podcast listeners, if you can think of some cool ideas for <laughs> cider cider masters, um, let's get those let's get those together and and present them. Uh, where where can people find the uh, the uh, cider house there? We're located at 425 North, 400 West, um, right down just north of downtown Salt Lake. However, all of our products um, are going to be available in state liquor stores within the next week. Um, we'll have Cottonwood and Seven Mile in the state liquor stores. Ruby is already available there. So, um, yeah, you can just ask for Ruby at some of your favorite um, drinking halls and eating establishments. And uh, if you can't find us, come come visit us at the tasting room. Awesome. Thanks for your time today, Jennifer. It's been a Thanks. pleasure. Thank you. That's been fun, you guys. I appreciate it. All right. Let's move on to some news. A lot of shit happening in Utah the last week. We've had a busy week. Yeah, we have. You'd almost say a shit storm. Well, we've definitely had a storm or two. Well, that's Uh, what Jennifer would say. She would say shit storm. Fall is officially here. Um, I think it was pertinent. You know, we had the Halloween guys on last week. Uh, and the week before, talking about the haunted the haunted house expo, uh, I do want to mention that again, though, as as we're still kind of wrapping up events, I guess, is uh, the Halloween expo uh, and, show. and show is October fourteenth, fifteenth, and sixteenth, and we will be there. We will be there, and uh, we have an exclusive promo code. Yes, the new Utah, all one word, all in caps, thirty five percent off any pass, right? Any no, adult only or adult or family. So any pass for our listening audience, including your small children, but if you get a family pass, if you have small children, get a family pass, save some money, uh, but put in that code, the new Utah. I don't know that I've seen another promo code for a better percentage than that. Uh, well, the- and you're getting people from Sci-Fi's Face Off, you're getting um, 
I mean, all types of vendors, uh, the creature feature. Creature yeah. There will probably be spooky nudists there. Uh, Only I don't you. think that's true. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to check with Ryan and Jason. But, but definitely go check it out. I think it's going to be a heck of a show. Uh, a lot of DIY stuff. It will probably be my Halloween since I'll spend actual Halloween in Cedar City with my daughter. Um, so, yeah, go check it out. Uh, but some other crap that's going on in, in awesome Utah. So you have heard us talk before about the Zion Curtain. So Utah has this crazy law where the legislature decided that if kids see a drink being made, um, they're automatically they're, delinquents. Yeah, and they're going to start That's how the devil gets inside you. Their life. They're so, going down that road. So people with a, a new restaurant liquor license... Uh, where they're making mixed drinks, have to prepare them behind a partition so that they're not visible from any area that a child could reasonably see. Well, uh, we've come to new heights yeah. on this one. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so the new Eccles Theater uh, downtown, big theater, millions and millions of dollars to make. It's an amazing building. It looks it looks fabulous. So they just opened when, Jess? Like mm, about two weeks ago, yeah, I think, as they had their long. opening <clears throat> ceremonies. Yeah, so they just opened. Well, they still have not been allowed their liquor license because their serving area can be seen from certain parts of the third floor balcony. Dun dun dun! So they're they're downstairs on the first floor making drinks, and if you stand up on the third floor and look down over the balcony, you might be able to actually see them making a drink. I got nothing. So, your five-year-old that you take to a nice theater show, because that fucking happens all the time. Five-year-olds love the opera. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and especially up on the the, the third tier, pretty much, if you take your kid that that is that small to the opera, fuck you. Because that kid's going to make noise, he's going to be running around, and he's going to ruin my experience. But we're not just, I don't even think we're talking opera, we're talking Broadway shows, we're talking people, comedians, who's going to take their five-year-old to Kathy Griffin, or to Morrissey? No, I'm all for for getting kids into the arts, but taking small children to things like that, that's like taking your kid to a movie that's not a children's movie, it's just heresy. This isn't finding now, fucking Nemo. To be to be clear, <laughs> uh, Josh is taking an expedition to Whore Island right now. Uh, but to be clear, uh, of course, five year olds probably aren't going to be influenced by this. If there were to be someone to be influenced, it would probably be you know your tweens, your teens, perhaps. But really. Seeing someone make a drink two stories down, what are they going to do? Jump off the fucking balcony, take a nosedive, <laughs> like directly into the bar and be like, well, serve me! Well, they certainly won't now because they have to create a Zion ceiling. So, so dumb. So they have to create some sort of a canopy, a roof, a something to separate it so it cannot be seen. You know, the best part about this story, and the story is called The New Eccles Theater Has to Install a Zion Ceiling to Comply with Utah Liquor Laws. The best part of this entire story is when Terry Wood, a spokesperson for the uh, DABC, said, Well, it's not our decision there. We sure wish they'd be able to comply, but uh, but it's out of our hands. So what he's really saying is, we know this is stupid, but, you know... It's Their not- hands are tied. They have to enforce the laws of the legislature. But at the same time, you know, there's some, some hit where they could be like, this is just 
fucking dumb. Like, this is not an enforceable statute. Give these guys the liquor license. They're obviously not going to serve kids. This isn't even an establishment frequented by kids. It's not a Chili's. You know, it's it's not a freaking <laughs> Chuck you know, E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese that serves beer for mommy and daddy. But here's the thing. This is... This theater is going to be renowned, and it's not just going to be Utahns that are going to it. People are going to come from out of state. I mean, it's Hamilton, I believe, is its first national tour stop. That is massive. That's huge. That's huge. How many times do we get plays right off Broadway like that? Well, so so they had their opening a couple weeks ago, and they weren't able to serve wine at the opening. Only beer. Because you think like having a glass of wine at a theater intermission is... The thing you do, go to a professional theater in any real city, and and (laughs) you're going to be able to do that. We want to be a real city. Well, and here's the thing. It's a brand new theater. It's just been opened. They've got all their architecture laid out. Now they have to come up with some jackass covering that's going to look stupid, and I'm sure they're going to do a good job to make it look as less stupid as they can, but at the end of the day, it wasn't the intent of the design, and it's just going to come out dumb. And I, I know the architect is probably just freaking out. What would you know about architecture? Well, you know, there's <laughs> nothing like being this far along. Well, the project is basically done and signed off and come back and say, oh, by the way. Couldn't they put up those, like, tied canopies that connect with, you know, eye hooks? Yeah, and... again, it'll look like shit. You might as well yeah. have an outdoor They can make tent. it look like... It's, no. they're gonna, as long as you use the blue tarps, <laughs> what not I, the gray ones. Is so that what you're saying? maybe I'm a little cynical, but what I really hope they do is they tie a bunch of um, what do what do they call the Jesus jammies? I hope they tie a bunch of those together <laughs> well, and form a tarp of of who, like. Who was it that, that actually put a Zion curtain in to their restaurant? It was the Hive Winery, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the Hive, the Hive, and they that. actually called it the Zion curtain. Yeah, it was. It was a really cool imagery. It was like a shower curtain, basically, that had the the Zion curtain on oh, it right, and a bunch a of ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, they could potentially do something like that as a big middle finger to the state legislature. But they won't because they're classy, sadly. But I just think it's terrible. Look, I love Utah. I live here by choice. I've had plenty of opportunity to move out. Um, But this is one of those laws that just doesn't make sense. And it's one of the enforcements that I I, I just think is ridiculous. We're protecting the children. We have this amazing arts Uh, institution uh, uh, uh. uh, that's coming to the state. Something I love about this state is we we do have the opportunity to see plays like Hamilton. uh, And and we get Phantom of the Opera. And we get great symphonies show up here. But when this kind of crap happens, it makes these productions not want to come to Utah. So now we're competing with <laughs> our bad reputation and actual facts that we are weird. Go, Utah. But, hey, there's other things going on in Utah. Um, one of the stories that uh, came out this week, Utah um, has potentially the world's largest genetic database file here, or, or database period. So this is a project that started uh, back in the 1970s is really when it kind of was conceptualized and really in earnest in the 80s was started. So Utah started collecting data, um, and it has a database now that's roughly 8 million, I, I think, individuals. Yeah, that's what they said as of the time this report was written. So roughly 8 million individuals, and what it is is a, uh, a database full of health records, um, uh, different kind of stuff to do with medical and family health history, um, it's been tied in over the years now to uh, the driver's license division, uh, marriage and, and death certificate data. Voting. Um, 
Yeah, it, voting records. It also records. says that the, the genealogical records, uh, they're going to be adding more than 90 million. Yeah, so that's the, that's the big thing. Now they yeah. want to tie it into the genealogy uh, databases that are out there. Um, and that will grow this, this database really to, to about 100 million or so uh, individuals. Um, now, this is a massive amount of data. What it's done is like the Huntsman Cancer Institute, for instance, has been using this data. Um, it's helped them identify the gene that causes breast cancer. Um, it's helped them identify several other genes that, that, that cause genetic disorders. Um, so really back in the 1980s, um, one of the things that happened with this database is the uh, Utah State Legislature actually drafted some, some legislation. Um, they were talking about kind of preventing this from happening. And they basically said, you know what, uh, we need to put in legislation to make it okay for it to happen because the benefits far outweigh, you know, any amount of security that's, that's lost. Now this is back in the eighties. This is back before, you know, the internet, the internet and, and, and big massive servers that could easily be hacked. But they've, to note, they have actually de-identified these records and given them key codes, essentially, um, that 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 could prevent that identity, you know, identity theft. Yeah. So the way it works is this, there's this huge database, eight million now, potentially closer to a hundred million soon. Um, they de-identify the records, but then when you need to do a study, it's hard to study, you know, you know, family lineage and 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 history of medical conditions when you can't see names to identify family members. Um, so they, they do re-identify them for specific projects, for specific research studies, but the data is always segmented. So they don't get all, you know, 8 million at once. And, and there has been no data breach in, in the 40 or so years that this project's really been running. They've never had a hacked server. Now, that that's not to say it's not at risk. Um, but it, it's certainly a possibility, and it's it's been vital to things like the, the Utah Genome Project. Well, and the, the the Cancer Institute is saying if you could help trace the mutation of a cancer back to a single individual, so going back through somebody's genealogy and pinpoint exactly where that cancer uh, took place, you you can give that family member and all family members related to that person. <laughs> a huge amount of information on how to, to handle it, take care of it, and possibly prevent it. Well, and it's not just cancer that, that they've that they been researching. I, they've been looking at preterm birth, Lou Gehrig's disease, also known as ALS, um, as well as an autism study that has been going on. And I, I think this is cool because, you know, there's a lot of people who are adopted, a lot of people who maybe lost their parents at a young age that don't know a medical history and something might come up later in life that you you need to know. Maybe Carrie Jackson wouldn't have had to meet his crazy family. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the devil's advocate here. Um, it's mentioned in this article and this is it by the way is just a really well written article and it covers both sides very nicely, but um, there is a uh, Michelle Demoy, uh, acting director for the Center for Democracy and Technologies Privacy and Data Project um, and she mentions in here that Utah isn't violating the law, but it seems like they're lo- violating a lot of best practices. And 
the the whole point is if you're opting into something like that, great. And if not, then do you really have the right to just carry that data, regardless of who it helps? I mean, the 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 path to hell was paved with good intentions, and I think this is a good and noble project, but. We've got to do it the right way, and we've got to reserve, respect people's privacy, uh, to Michelle Demoy's, um, point. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's, that's true. I, there's, there's a fine line there. There's, there's gray area that you walk. Um, my guess is if you're an Intermountain Health patient, because no one reads the damn privacy policies, no one reads the notices they sign when they go to the doctor or the ER most of the time, and they just sign off on them, you've probably already opted in if you live in the state of Utah. I know I've opted in. I know where some of this data comes from in my, my work in electronic medical records for, for 10 years. Uh, I've got close ties with some of the, the people that have been building these databases over the years. Um, it's great information. And for the most part, you know, it, as far as I'm concerned, have my information. If it helps determine, you know, a gene that causes, you know, some disease, great. Uh, that's fantastic because that might help me when I'm 70 years old and suffering from, you know, dementia or, or some other disease that they're able to find, you know, a link and a cure for. Um, but the big risk, the big risk that's out there is it does contain some very sensitive data. You know, your social security number, your name, your address, your driver's license information, that's all tied together now. Really easy for someone to... That's to why we need the identity. microchips. That's yeah, why we need social to- security... We need the microchips. Yeah, and we need to opt in. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, to their credit, they've they've never been hacked in forty years, but that almost, never say know, never. When I read stuff like Rush that in an article, you do. <laughs> when I read stuff like that in an article, I, I absolutely uh, think that's like an open invitation to some asshole to come in and, and 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 do just that, whether or not they do anything with the information, but just to prove that it can be done. So hopefully they have some great security. Hopefully. Uh, this this information is is contained on servers that are not exposed to the internet, uh, but I doubt it. Not in this day and age. Besides, we all know that Russia is hacking our computers as we speak. On Trump's order. On Trump's order, him and Putin are just sitting around. <laughs> they're they're just hanging around on a bearskin rug, naked and like <laughs> rubbing each other up with rubbing uh, each other up with vodka. Well, probably probably rubbing each other's daughters up with stuff or their own oh. daughters. Ugh. Yeah, that got crazy. That got crazy like a tornado. <laughs> so yeah, speaking of crazy <laughs> and tornadoes, uh, Utah. Uh, so America traditionally, America is known as really one of the only places in the world that tornadoes happen on a regular basis. Um, and it, it's really because of the way geography uh, of where America sits, where the Rocky Mountains are, and how you have cold air coming off the Rocky Mountains, warm air coming out of the Gulf of Mexico, and boom, you have Tornado Alley tornado where those two Alley. where those two air masses meet. Uh, I lived in Tornado Alley for, for quite a period of my life. I've lived through some pretty horrendous tornadoes. Uh, the one that destroyed the Texas Tech Library in the 80s. I remember being in a bathtub in a basement with a mattress over top of me and coming out the next morning and seeing houses all around ours completely demolished. Um, we grew, I grew up in Iowa, and they've got a lot of tornadoes in Iowa. I remember um, in Iowa, we had tornado drills in school. Yeah. When I was in school, you had tornado yeah. drills. Get under your desk because that desk's going to save you from a tornado. Josh, before you talk, <laughs> put the mic back in the mic stand so I stop having to adjust your levels midway through. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you know, even Denver, which is really close, uh, D- Denver has lots of tornadoes as well because they're actually right where that wind comes off the Rocky Mountains. And if you've ever flown into Denver, you know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. because the turbulence is insane when you try to land in Denver. So I just pictured t- uh, tornado drills in today's day and age, which is everyone pulling out their cell phones. Uh, yeah, it pops up a notice on your cell and phone. It pops up a notice. You take your cell phone out and start doing some selfies and duck faces. Well, and- so. I would. We're talking about tornadoes. If you've been living in a bubble, Utah had its second and third ever yes. recorded Major. two in one day. Yeah, because there's uh, small ones out out in dust devils don't dust devils really don't count. count. Right, <laughs> little vortexes don't count. But these were actual tornadoes. I mean, they weren't like the big F3s and F4s that destroy places like Joplin, Missouri. Um, but they were measured by. The Fujita F1s, ones, weren't they? Yeah, little F1s. So they're not not huge. But they're tornadoes. So we had one back in the 90s. We were talking a little yeah, bit earlier. Yeah, 1999 went to downtown um, Salt Lake. Yeah. Blew out a bunch of windows and some hotels. Yeah. Tore a roof off a building. Yeah. I mean, it really hit the avenues. Didn't do a whole lot of damage. I actually think this one probably did more damage. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, it, it ripped some roofs off. It it well, pulled some trees out. 12 homes. 12 were homes condemned. Are, are, yeah. Yeah, unlivable now. Yeah. So big, big deal. And our listeners back east are like, that's nothing. But for us for here in Utah, that was pretty major. Well, especially since we live between two mountain ranges that, you know, that's just, we do yeah. get super, we get hurricane winds for sure. Yeah, but to 80, have that. Yeah, mile an hour winds, but not, not to have that kind of a convergence of a system. And that was a pretty insane day from a storm perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, the only thing that I hate about when we get something like a tornado here is it's all the damn news talks about for a week. That's, That's true. true. I mean, and look, we're contributing. But, but it's kind of cool because those tornadoes were, I mean, uh, was it Parowan? Parowan or Panguitch that it was in? Those, Panguitch, I mean, I they're a cu- couple hours yeah. apart from each other yeah, as they far were pretty as far distance. Apart. Yeah. I, I was in Disneyland and it was 80 degrees. Yeah. It was beautiful. You. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the... the uh, the best thing is when I started looking at, at stuff for those tornadoes, you know, pictures and, and videos and whatnot, and I saw, you know, people with their camera phones. These aren't professional storm chasers. These are morons that live in Utah and work at some business, and they've got their camera phones out looking at this tornado that isn't even a mile away from them. And if you know anything about tornadoes, that's not a safe distance. They can move a mile in about two seconds. Yeah, they move fast. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, their wind velocities are like upwards of 150 miles an hour. It's like it can tear down a house or something. Yeah. So to stand there and check it out and be like, whoa, did you see that? Look, it's on the ground. I'm going to be honest. I love storm chasing, and I would probably be one of those people with my camera out. As the roof goes by? Yes, I would be. So that's just, I, I don't dislike storm chasers but they know what they're doing right as these, long as you're not these schlubs didn't <laughs> i used to be a storm <laughs> chaser until sharknado and Sharknado ruined that for like now I'm afraid, <laughs> I'm afraid because what if i run into octopus nato and like you know what you know what else ruins you, something you would get brian shrimp nato maybe in utah oh, oh that's disgusting that like <laughs> really disgusting when, when you go to the gun show it, it ruins it like when you go to the gun show <laughs> oh god <laughs> wow what a Jeremy, what a hard transition that was so you tried i appreciate so you very we joked, much we joked last week i think it was last week we uh, joked, it was about two weeks ago because yeah. the uh the gun show was going on at Southtown Expo Center, the 15th one this year, which was like the <laughs> 567th annual because they do so yeah. many. Yeah, so year. our Halloween Expo friends were saying they, they had some competition we, we, with we the jo- gun yeah, show. Yeah, we joked, we joked about the gun show, you know, and about someone getting shot at a gun show. Well, you know, we probably shouldn't have joked about that because it happened. 
fortuitous. And and this is so ridiculous because the whole story is that this this proprietor, this like seventy year old man, year old. basically so again, standing there, proprietor. These are yahoos who have just guns sitting around their house that they take to sell sometimes. Sometimes they're, they're former collectors, but they have guns and they take them to sell. Now, every gun that's on the show floor has to have a zip tie through its firing mechanism. For a very important reason. So that reason. you can't fire the weapon. Well, this guy had a, 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 about a 50 year old guy come over and go, well, can I, can I try it out for size? Uh, I want to try it. Colt 45. I, I want to try that Colt 45, so cut the is zip that what tie. You, is that what you're planning to sound like when you're 50? Because that's not very far away, Josh. I know. It's pretty far away, shush. <laughs> but so, so Nincompoop 1, who is the 73-year-old man, says, Well, sure. I don't even know why I got the darn things on there. So he cuts the zip tie, and Nincompoop number 2 goes, Boy, howdy. Let's slide this lock back and like chamber around. Then let's just go all well, the sand. They emptied it. So they emptied clear, the. He 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 pulls the hammer back. He he does the the slide action. Pulls it back because he's going to dry fire it because he wants. I don't know why you have to dry fire a damn gun. They fucking work you moron. But he was going <laughs> to presumably dry fire, or he was just checking that that the action of the of the slide. But as he does that, the guy tells him. Or, or he notices that there's actually a magazine inside the freaking handgun. And it's loaded. So he pulls the magazine out. Why the fuck the magazine has bullets in it to begin with is beyond me. Cause 70 year old jackass loaded ammunition, which you have to intentionally do. They don't come loaded and then stuck that inside the gun. So the guy, Oh, Oh, cool. Uh, good. I, I did it. I've already done the hammer action or the, the slide action. God forbid I did that when there was a loaded magazine in it. Clearly, guy has no idea how firearms operate. Points it at the ground and then proceeds to fire the gun. At a cement pillar. So it ricochets, it hits a couple people. I mean, Kids. Really minor injuries, but it was like, what, a 13-year-old and a 17-year-old boy got hit. Um, you know, no serious injuries, thankfully. But that's just a calamity of idiocy and more proof why these fucking gun shows shouldn't exist on a consumer level. Why do they have to exist? Why can't gun shows be a purely, you know, industry like vendor to vendor type of deal? Manufacturers. I mean, I, I know they have those shows, but why do you need consumer level gun shows where people pedal guns like it's a flea market and, and don't every have other any month kind of Utah, I swear, every other month the billboards are up. Here's the gun show. Well, it's Rocky look, Mountain look, gun show. <laughs> you have to take a test. You have to take like three different damn tests to get your driver license, right? You have to take an eye exam. You have to take a competency test as a as a written test. You have to have, have a, driving a straight test. driving and you test. You have to have a certain amount of time behind the wheel, and you have to take a driving test. Why? Because cars are dangerous, and cars can kill people, and you have to have insurance to drive your car. You know what you have to have to have a gun? Fingers. Money. You don't even need fingers. You could buy a <laughs> shoot them off. Fingers. You could, you could shoot them with your butt cheeks. You need money and potentially three days that you have to wait. You know, it, it, it's a joke that you're able to buy and sell guns without proper training. But you can't buy alcohol. No, no. And you can't see someone pour alcohol from a bottle. That's bad. To a cup because yeah, that's from how two the stories, devil gets it. From two stories up. Yeah, that's bad. Because if you do, you're clearly going to become an alcoholic and a druggie. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, our next story, uh, Jeremy. 
So, so let's, let's hear talk about fine. shooting, firing guns. The other night, <laughs> Mike Weinholz sure came out shooting. Came out shooting. Pew, pew, pew. With <laughs> Gary Herbert. You know, we're joking about it, but I think you actually did it. I think that would have worked if we wouldn't have been joking about it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, last night, so we record these just so you guys know on Tuesday nights. We don't meet Wednesday early in the morning and record it and then go off to work. Although we love you that much that we would. It's the magic of podcasting. I don't love you that much. Uh, I have shit to do in the morning, so it's like my day job. Uh, if you guys pay us, if you want to donate to us, um, I'm happy to take those donations. Uh, but until such a time where we're paid enough that I don't have to have a day job, uh, I'm going to go ahead and work in the mornings. <laughs> We're going to let you. Go but ahead. Uh, Monday night, a uh, few debates going on. Um, Josh is falling asleep on the muff of his mic, uh, which is always nice to see. So you should never fall asleep on a muff. Yeah. No, I like falling asleep <laughs> on muffs. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. I got nothing. Yeah. Silence. <laughs> just that look on your face. There have been like four or five stop. times where Jess has approached the mic smiling. Just nothing. And then, and then nothing came out. her head. Uh, so anyway, yeah, uh, two debates, um, the Utah gubernatorial debate, which we're going to talk about, and, uh, we'll probably spend some time on the presidential debate. I don't think we can skip it. Um, but Mike Weinholz and, uh, Gary Herbert, um, were in their second debate, uh, of three, I believe that they're doing. Um, this was a, a debate, uh, really where, uh, Mike Weinholz kind of came out swinging. Can I, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Before these debates even started, didn't Herbert be, didn't he allude that there was no reason to hold debates? Yes. Yeah, he didn't want to do them. Uh, Herbert actually, he, he said, I'll do one. Uh, and that's it. And he kind of caught a lot of flack for it. He, he really, you know, in Herbert's mind, he kind of has the same mindset as, as Mike Lee does that I'm a Republican. He's, he's got I an arm. Uh, why bother? I don't need to do anything. I mean, and, and truthfully, Herbert is pretty far ahead in the polls, but, uh, you know, debates can change people's minds. Um, so Mike Weinhold certainly attempted to do that last night. If people would vote, if people would vote, there's no reason for Herbert to be, uh, like, ahead in the polls. I just wish people would get out and vote and poll. Well, and, and I, the thing is, you know, you say that, Josh, and a lot of people in Utah think, well, it's a red state. Uh, it's going to be Republican no matter what I do. So why waste my time? Why vote? Uh, Republicans are, are just going to win every race anyway. And, you know, a, a lot of those people are the, you know, Republicans and, and they think all Mormons are Republicans and there, there's a change there. There's a trend that's, that's changing there. Uh, you know, a, a lot of research now suggests that registered voters that are, are Mormon are actually more and more trending towards becoming independent and also showing up as democratic. Um, so you actually have now, you know, from 92 is pretty, dis- pretty big, you know, uh, break. 63% or so were Republican or at least leaned Republican. Um, 80% at least leaned that way. Uh, 63% were registered Republican. Uh, and only 11 Democrat. Now, the Democratic numbers haven't changed much. But the independent numbers have skyrocketed. So now you're down to about 48, 50 percent, somewhere in there that are uh, Republican here in 2016. Uh, the rest, 35 percent of which are claiming to be independent. Well, a lot of people despise Trump, but don't like Hillary. Well, you know, and that's 
the the question I always ask when when someone says that is why why don't you like Hillary? What is it about Hillary? What has she done in the last thirty years that you have this insane vitriol for her? I, I hear the same thing every time. Well, Benghazi, she killed people and she made these bad decisions. And then I hear she didn't in her do emails it. were pretty much. So it sounds like they've been listening to Fox News. They get talking <laughs> points. Now you start to ask them details about Benghazi. Well, what exactly was her role in Benghazi? Exactly what did she do? Who did she put the gun in the hand of and the rocket propelled grenade in the hand of? And what you'll find is they don't know. And the truth is in Benghazi, they declined additional security coverage multiple times. She tried to put more security there. They knew something was going to happen. They couldn't prevent it because, the, you know, at, at some point the embassy just says, no, we're, we're going to stay the way we are, and, and you just kind of have to live with that sometimes. So... Yeah. But if you, if you go and you, and you look into those, she sat, she said last night in the debate, she, you know, when, when, when Trump asked about her stamina, I've sat <laughs> in front. That's the dumbest question ever. <laughs> she, she, she said, well, when you've traveled to what, 112, I think 112, 112 yeah. different com- countries, negotiated peace treaties and ceasefires and sat in a, uh, in a congressional you hearing tell me about for 11 hours said. straight, you ah. tell me about stamina. Uh, so, I mean, they've tried and tried and tried. The Republican Party has tried for 30 years to make her look absolutely terrible. And there's been three things that have somewhat stuck. She changes her mind. Okay, what politician doesn't? And she doesn't change her mind from day to day. She's changed it over the course of 30 years. Her comments about gay and lesbian, uh, the LGBT community as a whole, how she feels about, you know, crime statistics and the right way to solve crime, that has all changed with the times. However, our society has evolved over the past 30 yeah, years. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So She's most people, with the most times. people who had an opinion 30 years ago, it's going to be different. I, I'm talking most people in general are going to change their mind over a 30 period, or 30 year period of time. Yeah, I mean, oh. she's, she said, look, you know, what my husband did in his administration uh, when, when they enacted the, the, the Crime Act, that was bad. We realize now it was bad. We were trying to do whatever we could to solve an epidemic. Uh, and and it, it didn't work out. Don't think that's a good idea now. Not wouldn't support that now. Um, but I've got other ideas, you know. So, but, you know. I know this sounds odd, but 50 years ago, doctors pushed smoking as being healthy. Yeah. You smoked everywhere. On planes? You can't even use your damn cell phone on a plane. Well, you can now, but you couldn't. But you could smoke on a plane. Yeah. How? So, so it's just, I'm just, just pointing out how society yeah. has changed. Yeah. I mean, look, 60 years ago, a, a white man and a black woman was a travesty. It was absolutely unheard of. Today, it's it's normal. No one bats an eye. Shouldn't say no one. Well, if you're in the south, no reasonable person bats an eye at an interracial couple. It's not thought of as you know sacrilegious, immoral, unhealthy, immoral. But back then it was. I mean, back then you had people using different drinking fountains. Back then they had whiskey dispensers at work. I I will say this: some things could come back. We we sure have come a long (laughs) way in the past fifty years. But my gosh, we have got so much further to go before we fully transition. I mean, we talk about, you know, black, black person, white person together. Um, but that is still seen in certain parts of this country as, 
absolutely unforgivable and racism still exists and the prejudice against gay and lesbian and and you know that entire community those things are still out there and so while we're making great headway and society is changing and her views as a part of society will naturally evolve too i hope that she she is the progressive future of this country and he is certainly not and we will not move forward with him at the helm and that's an important important concept to me and because she is probably going to be um putting people in the supreme court the changes that she makes in her presidency will be so much more dramatic oh, yeah. than her time in the oval office just from that one function itself and i want that to be her because i know that trump is the past and that hillary's the future and you can draw whatever parallel you like about one being good and the other being a crook or whatever else like that but it's not the same thing and you're an idiot so stop thinking that (laughs) well and i I do want to get back a little bit off the presidential debate i I think the presidential election is certainly important and i I do think utah we talked about it before utah can be uh, a swing state we can i mean hillary clinton opened a campaign office here Uh, that says she thinks she has a chance at winning a good enough chance at winning our electoral votes that she's going to spend some money here. And I've seen quite a few presidential ads here, a lot more than we usually see in a general election. Um, and, and I think we'll, we'll continue to see those as, as we roll here into October. Um, but it's the local officials that, that your vote really, really matters for. Um, you take some elections, you know, um, for instance, Mia Love and, and Doug Owens, uh, last, last election cycle. Mia Love didn't win by much. We're talking less than a thousand votes got her elected to office. A thousand. One thousand. I'm sure that you probably know 100 people that would vote for Doug Owens over Mia Love. Even if they wouldn't, they should still be out getting out and voting. Uh, your vote makes a huge difference in these local elections. It'll make a big difference in the gubernatorial election. You know, if, if the 20% of Democrats that don't show up to the polls would just show up to polls, that's enough to swing a vote the other way. Well, after listening to the debate yesterday, um, all I could think is why why are we okay with electing somebody for another was another four years? Like, are we just complacent that that's okay that Herbert, somebody who you know can't. I think yeah, that, our healthcare in order. Who is voting against our women's rights? I who, think that has a lot to do with the people are just complacent. Well, it isn't broad. No, I really think it we is. That's all I can. It. That's all I can think. Like, <laughs> just I don't. Know. I mean, the other thing to look at, especially in the gubernatorial debate, is is Herbert's been in the off in office for eight years essentially. I mean, technically it's seven, right? Seven, yeah. Because he came in on the back of, of uh, a resignation, someone leaving office. Um, but now he's seeking that second reelection, which he's entitled to by the Utah Constitution. But that's going to put the same guy in office for 12 years. That's insane. That's Senate time frames. I mean, that's that, there's no other elected office out there that's going to put you in for 12 years other than U.S. Congress. And they uh, stop that with the presidency yeah. for a reason. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying Herbert's a bad guy, um, but his policies just don't line up. You know, in, in the debate, he didn't produce a whole lot of evidence that things are going to change. You know, they talked about. 
um, what he called what what Herbert calls Healthy Utah, which is really the Affordable Care Act Medicaid expansion, the gap coverage expansion, which Utah still doesn't have anything really set for. We're giving up billions with a B, billions of dollars that we've paid in federal taxes as a state that should be coming back here for that health care coverage. We're just not taking it because we can't come up with a damn plan. That is weak leadership. Well, in, in Herbert, I mean, in, in Herbert's defense, he's tried a couple times to get things passed. They're not the greatest. They're certainly not what Democrats would put up in front of Congress. Um, but, but he's putting stuff up in front of a Republican controlled House and a Republican controlled Senate that they're super staunch conservative. I have no idea why they won't do it mentality won't pass. Uh, and Mike Weinholz really went after him, you know, at, at that point. And, Gover- you know, Governor Herbert's only answer was, well, you don't understand how it works because the legislature has to pass shit. And he said, why don't you just go be part of the legislature and, and do stuff there? <laughs> and and it's it was very condescending. It, it was really kind of lame that he said that. Like, Mike Weinholz doesn't understand how legislation works. I think Mike's point was, you've had years to figure this out. Years. And you haven't been able to come to anything not even a crap compromise for you you've been able to come up with nothing and you're on the same side of the aisle as them another part another thing that he says he's been working on herbert is education spending but utah's one of the lowest states as far as education not one of the The, lowest it is the the lowest lowest state in per pupil education spending and herbert's response is well it's better than it was eight years ago of course it was you fucking idiot in 2008 (laughs) in 2008 guess what happened the economy collapsed everyone lost their jobs utah managed to because of, of of a lot of the policies that we have in place managed to actually have a better unemployment rate than most of the country uh but that didn't change anything you know, so yeah, of course it's better than it was when the entire country was in a gigantic recession. It's still the worst in the nation. That seemed to be his response to everything yesterday. Yeah, was, it's it better, was, than it was. better than it was. Better than it was. It's hard to deny that it was better than it was. That, you know, than it was because it was really shitty when that bubble burst. Utah didn't get hit as hard. Utah didn't get hit at the same time everyone did, but we all mm-hmm. took big cuts. We I all took felt big it. cuts. His entire. Like, his entire debate can be summed up by he's standing up there with a stick and saying, I could poke you in this eye with a stick, or there could be more of me. <laughs> Which, you know, it's interesting that that's kind of, you know, one of the things he was saying, because that was a point that Donald Trump was trying to make all last night when he was debating Clinton, was that she's a career politician. That's not working. Well, now we have Governor Herbert, who is on the same side of, you know, of the, the, the line as, as Mr. Uh, Trump saying, yeah, it works. I've been here. It's working. Uh, 26 years now I've been a politician and my policies seem to be working. I don't agree with that they're working personally. Um, you know, he's, he's behind the lawsuits, uh, against the U.S. government for, uh, the, the gay marriage legislation. That we took now, no granted, taking that to the Supreme Court was the right thing to do. And it actually turned out in the favor of the LGBT community. Uh, but at the end of the day, we spent millions and millions of taxpayer dollars there. We spent millions of, of taxpayer dollars on, uh, lawsuits, uh, U.S. Law, lawsuits against the U.S. for, for public lands. 
unwinnable lawsuits. Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Defund and trying to defund Planned Parenthood and having the federal government sue us as a state. Again, costing the taxpayers dollar. You know, he's, he's running an office whose entire basis seems to be either being sued or suing the federal government over something instead of trying to work through the legislature and produce real legislation and, and real changes. Um, it's just disappointing. Uh, and it, I, I, it all comes down to what we've been saying for months now. Get out and vote. Everybody, please. Yeah, and it makes Go a difference. So, so outside of the governor, you know, outside of the, the race for governor, you know, we talked to Misty Snow. If you want to listen to the snow report uh, or the snowstorm, I don't remember what we call it, the snowstorm, um, you can hop over. It's another stream we post up on our site. It's uh, Misty K. Snow posted up on her, her social media. We sit down with her for about 30 minutes once a week or so and <laughs> – and go over issues that are that are part of her campaign. Where's your plug, Josh? MrKSnow.com. Josh has fallen asleep <laughs> on us. Um, but you can vote for the Senate race. You can get rid of of Mike Lee. You know, Mike Lee is is a jackass that has voted no against things that are pro Utah. He time hates and time women again. and kids. And he really clean does. water. And he hates the poor. And the land. he really likes supporting the rich. I mean, he voted to shut the government down. He was one of of three votes uh, against, um, you know, the... What legislation was it? I don't even remember. It's been a long night. (laughs) But... He he's just an absolutely horrendous. Do candidate. your research, people. There there is plenty out there on voting records, and I mean it's it th- those voting records are fact. Yeah, uh, just Google it. Just Google voting record. Mike Lee, good voting record. Look at the bills he's voted on. There's some really simple stuff out there that, that you can see. The, the flip side, to all that is, if you don't vote, you don't have a voice, and you don't have a right to complain. You've got to make your voice heard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, beyond the the races for governor and and Senate and the House representatives that are all up for election, your different districts, you know, Doug Owens versus Mia Love again this year, and president, there's a ton more stuff on the ballot. City councils, too. Yeah, city councils, huge. You you don't like the fact that your neighbors have fucking chickens next door to your house? (laughs) Vote people on the city council that are going to change that ordinance because that's where that come from that comes from you don't like the dabc and their bullshit zion curtain then you have to vote out your state representatives and your state senators the people that go up to the hill in salt lake and deny time and time again any kind of social program any kind of change who okay suing the federal government over freaking public lands you have the ability to vote these people out, but you can't do it if you don't go to the polls. And again, your ballots are going to come out uh, October 11th is when they get mailed. Uh, you can vote by mail. Uh, if you are not around your house, if you're a college student, you can you know, get an absentee ballot. But you don't get a cool sticker if you vote by mail. That's true. You don't, but you don't have to give up a lot of your day to vote by mail either. That's true. Uh, and you can make your decision, you know, and you can make your voice be heard. And for you hipsters, you don't even have to leave your house. You can still have the cord cut. And I saw today online that you can register to vote via text now. Yeah, or just go to vote.utah.gov, yeah, right? Just do it. It's It's not hard. So... That's the end of my rant. Um, it's been a uh, it's been a long night for us. We've done a lot tonight. 
we do more than, than just this podcast, in case anyone's <laughs> wondering. Because I know it doesn't feel super long to you guys listening, but uh, it has been for us. So um, it's about that time. Josh, say goodnight. Good night, Josh. Josh, get the fuck out of my house before you fall asleep. Done. <laughs>